Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. You are just joining us today. Our sermon series has been based around, obviously, Jesus, as they always are, but also this place known as the doldrums. That's right. Yes. I'm so glad we spent six weeks on it and you have memorized it. So uh, the doldrums, which is a place of windlessness. Uh, you don't know this because you've never probably been on a sailboat. Maybe you have. There's a place in the world where there is no wind, and if you end up on a boat in this place with no wind, uh, you're pretty much out of luck because you won't be able to move in life. And there are a lot of people in life who are floating, not sinking, but floating. You know, not maybe, there's, maybe there's not a ton of bad stuff going around, uh, but, uh, but we're not really going anywhere. I mean, the word discouragement maybe comes to mind. And I think in those moments, it's great to come to church because, yes, Jesus is real, but it's also great to come to church because there are people around you who want to breathe life into you. And so, um, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, a little confession time as your pastor, but sometimes um, I get discouraged sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. Can I be honest? Is that okay? I think, I think the pastors, I think there's an expectation for us to be perfect, but here's the deal. I don't think you can relate with my perfection. I think you relate more with my humanity. And so um, I, I'm, I'm, I take more pride in me being a human that Jesus loves than a perfect pastor um, that's trying to impress people. And sometimes... I get discouraged. If that's a surprise to you, don't be. If it's not a surprise to you, then I need to do a better job of smiling. You're like, I'm glad you admitted it, bro. We knew. You just glad you admitted that. Maybe I need to do a better job of smiling, do a better job of showing joy. Um, but this week was tough. You know, I'm not going to let you in on, on all the details. It's not about me. It's about you. But I had some tough stuff. I had some ministry was tough. Church was tough. Um, got some tough news from my family. And it's been a, it's been a tough week, man. And, uh, and on top of all that, top it all off, I got invited to go to this church convention. Now, you have to understand, church convention for me is like church for you. When you're not doing good, you don't want to go, but you know it's where you need to go. And everything inside you sounds, just stay in, just sleep in. You know, it's been a bad week. You need the rest and, and all that. And, uh, but you never regret going once you do go. You know what I mean? Like church, like the gym, uh, like, like things like that, like, like shopping, you know, organic and, and all that stuff. And, you know, at the time, you're like, I don't need to do this. But then you don't regret it. And we're going to bed early. And so, and so I went. And I'm sure glad that I did go, because uh, I had a, a, a guy there. He's one of our overseers. Uh, we have three overseers that kind of pastored me as a pastor, and he was there, and, uh, and he asked me, he says, how's everything going? And it was just like a Christian reflex. Isn't it just a, a Christian reflex to be like, God is good? But he didn't ask me if God was good. He knew that God was good. He said, how are you doing? And so I just dropped the God and said, good. But I, didn't, I couldn't say it convincingly, you know? And so he was like, Really? And I think we're all just one really away from a breakdown. <laughs> Honestly, man, I think we're all just one really. I dare you to just take that conversation one word further. And I, and I said, and I said, no, nah, man, it's kind of hard right now. I got to go with my family. I got to go with my church. It's hard, man. And, uh, man, he, he, he said something. Um, I don't even remember what he said. All I know is that he encouraged me. And after two minutes of encouragement, I felt a wind in my sale again. And, and I think what was, what, was, what was encouraging to me and what I wanted to share with you was it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that he, what he told me. I mean, I do remember what he told me. And the funny thing is what he told me was the exact same thing my wife was telling me. 
And what he told me was the exact same thing my other friends told me. And what he told me was the exact same thing the Bible was, it was what he told me. But it wasn't until he told it to me that I received it. Not because I don't appreciate my wife or I don't take her word for it. Not because the Bible is not relevant to me, but because, because he also was a church planner like I was three years ago. And so we had, we connected on a level that I could not connect with my wife or even the Bible or even my friends, right? And here's what I've learned. Oftentimes our reception is dependent on our connection, right? Somebody could tell us one thing, but if they don't got the right connection, somebody else tells us the same thing and you're like, and the first person who told you that thing is like, I've been saying that from the beginning. And you're like, yeah, no, we just don't got that connection, you know? And, and I learned this idea of reception and connection when we, my wife and I first became subscribers to DirecTV, which at the moment, we felt like we hit jackpot. Like, you know, we were making money. We were like, DirecTV, baby, no more air antenna. Because that's how we were. When we first got married, we had air antenna TV, okay? For those young guys, that, that, there is like an, it was like a... Rabbit ears you'd put on top of the, and we got five channels. That's all we had. Four, four channels on our television. We got direct TV, and uh, it was exciting. And the moment we turned it on, there was a problem uh, with, the, with the TV. The, the screen wasn't showing right. It was fuzz. And if anybody knows satellite TV, you know, it's got issues. And so I called up direct TV. I said, hey, man, um, there's a problem uh, with your signal. You know, you know, I didn't know how it works. I get to call the astronaut. Uh, up there, and he said, you know, move the antennas around because <laughs> I'm not really getting a good picture down here. And he said, he checked the signal. He said, no, sir, the signal's fine. Uh, he said, check the connection. And, uh, and I said, all right, I'll check the connection. I went behind the box, and I moved the wire. The wire was attached perfectly. I switched the wire. I said, man, the connection's fine. I said, check your signal. And, uh, and he said, I'll check it again. Sorry, sir, the signal. Everybody else in Orlando is doing fine except you. And, uh, and I was like, all right, well, um, well he, said, he said, you check the wire. He said, how about you check the dish? And I said, I got to check. The, I thought you guys checked the dish when you set it up. So I, I looked outside, and when I looked outside, I saw that the palm tree had actually grown a little bit over the satellite dish. And I thought, man, that can't be. I mean, it's just a palm tree. And so, but I got up on my roof because I was desperate. I do things for TV that I wouldn't do for my best friends, you know? I got up on the roof, and I, and I grabbed a, a handsaw. Now my life is at risk, and I'm just, I got to watch television, you know? And I'm just, and I'm literally, my neighbors are looking out the window. Like, I'm literally on the roof of my house with a palm tree in one hand and a saw in the next hand, just trying to cut down the branch. And I had to cut down four or five branches until I heard the voice from the living room. I can see the picture! I'm like, wow, it worked. And I, and I went down, and I, and I found out that, that, uh, that it has a lot to do with the connection. And the guy was right all along. The signal was good, but the connection was bad. And you can have a good signal, but if you have a bad connection, you'll never see the whole picture. And what I'm trying to say is sometimes we get into situations in life, and we look at God and be like, God, you're messed up. God, you're doing bad things. But you know what the Bible says? All things work for the good of those who love the Lord. Listen to me. The signal's good. The connection's bad. And if you had the right connection, you'd be able to see the good things happening in your life. You'd be able to catch the entire picture. But if you have the wrong connections, that is, if you are connected to the wrong people, then you'll never be able to receive the good signal and the good things that God is trying to give you. And so God could be doing something good in your life, but if you're connected to complainers, all you'll end up doing is complaining about the good things God's wanting to do in your life. God might want to do a good thing in your life, but if all you're connected to are bitter people, then the bitterness is going to pollute and, and, and corrupt your perspective of the picture. God might want to do a good thing, but if all you're connected to are people who are doubting, you can't stand doubting people. It's like, there's enough doubt inside of me. I don't need you to doubt for me. 
I'm, me and the devil got all the doubt we need. <laughs> I need somebody to speak faith into my life, right? To see the things I can't see, to breathe life into me. You're connected with doubting people, then sure enough, you are going to doubt as well. So much of your reception and perception in life is based on the connections that you either have or do not have. So check the connection. I think that's why Paul surrounded himself with good people. Uh, Paul is the person who wrote this in 2 Timothy, and uh, the only thing more famous than Paul are probably Paul's companions. Uh, Paul has an amazing story. He's uh, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He, uh, he, he's one of the, you know, the head honchos of the original church, created a lot of our theology and doctrine he got from the Lord that he, he shared with us. And, and I think what's most interesting about Paul's story is he didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, maybe you can relate to that. He didn't have a lot of people who were close to you. See, he used to be a Christian killer, and then he became a Christian. And so the problem was uh, all the Christians who he wanted to make friends with didn't trust him because they killed their friend. He killed their friends, and, and the Christian killers thought he was a traitor. And so now you have this guy stuck in the middle. He's got none of his old friends want to hang out with him, and none of his new friends trust him. And so he's by himself. And this is what I love about God. He saw that Paul was by himself, but he also had a big mission for Paul. And so not only does he send Paul out with the, with the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like we talked about last Sunday, he also sends him out with great connection. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, right before Paul goes out on his first missionary journey, and he had three, whenever he goes out on his first missionary journey, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit said to them, set aside for me Paul and set aside for me Barnabas, because I'm going to send them together. I want you to know that when God calls you to do something great in life, he's always going to call you to do it together. One is too small of a number for greatness. You will never accomplish anything on your own. And what I love about this passage is not only that God sends someone, but who he sends. The man's name is Barnabas. Bar-nabu. It's two words. Bar means son, but nabu, that's significant. Nabu means, catch this, it means encouragement. And so God sees that he's about to send this apostle out into the world to change the world, but he knows that he's not going to be able to do it by himself because he's alone and he's been discouraged and he's been depressed. And so he says, hey, before I send you out, I'm going to send you out with somebody who's going to encourage you when things get hard. I'm going to send you out with the son of encouragement. What I also like about this story is the Bible says that the Holy Spirit connected them. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes the connections. That's my prayer for you today, just like spoiler alert. My hope is that the Holy Spirit would make a connection between somebody behind you, somebody next to you, somebody around you, that you get connected to a small group, that God would do something in your life to bring people uh, and show you kind of the relationships uh, that are there to help you get to the next level. Also, this is not a one-time thing. Uh, every one of Paul's companions, something was significant about their name. In Paul's third missionary journey, he hangs out with this guy named Luke. You know what Luke's name means? Light. Light in the darkness. So when you can't see where you're going, Luke was the kind of guy like, don't worry, I got you, bro. It's right there. The purpose is still there. Don't worry. The, the mission is still there. Onesiphorus, the guy that he thinks, the guy that he thinks in the beginning of this passage, his name means to add value to. How cool is that? The second missionary journey is with this guy named Silas. His name is so good, I'm going to save it. Is that good? We're going to say we're going to eat that later. We're going to come back to that later. It's going to be good. The very first guy that God sends him out with is Barnabas, but Barnabas had a cousin that he took on the mission with him. His name was Mark. Now, here's what you got to learn about Mark. Mark's name doesn't mean light. It doesn't mean encouragement. It doesn't mean uh, fresh breath of air. Uh, here's what Mark's name means, arguer. Arguer and defensive. Here's what you got to know. For some reason, we don't know why. When they all get dressed for the second missionary journey, Mark's got his bags, and he goes to step on the boat, and Paul says, where you going, bro? He said, I'm going with you on the second missionary journey. He said, oh, no, you're not. Paul cuts him off. 
We, we don't know why, but later on in the scriptures, he said, he quit on us. I can't be facing demons on one side and Mark on the other side. I can't be facing atheists on one side and, 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 and pagans on the other side. I, I got enough tax coming from the north. I can't have a tax coming from the south. And so he had to cut off Mark so that he could accomplish the mission that God called him to do. Listen, I had to cut off a palm branch. Paul had to cut off Mark. Who in your life do you need to cut off that is keeping you from becoming the person that God wants you to become? Because every time you get around that person, it is an argument and a defense. It is a, is, are you really going to do that? Mm, I don't know. Remember the last time you tried that? Maybe you shouldn't try that again. You know, it might hurt you. Remember when that person hurt you? I can't believe that. Or, 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 or who is it that's always calling you with their own problems? Always arguing and defending themselves and what they're going through. You, and, I have, and here's the defense when I tell people. I go, hey, listen, I think, you need to cut, I think you need to cut that person out of your life. I think they're hurting you more than they're helping you. They said, but they're the only friend I got. I got to keep them around. Well, you know what? You ever heard of this? Sometimes it's addition by subtraction. Sometimes you get more friends by cutting the bad ones out. And so they had to do it. They had to do it. And I'll tell you what, I'm sure glad that he did, or we might have not gotten the New Testament. Thank God that Paul never got locked up with Mark. He'd be like, I told you not to preach that way, Paul. I told you. It's all your fault. Paul's in there thinking, I should not have let him on the boat. I knew I shouldn't have let him on the boat. Thank God he didn't get locked up with Mark. Thank God he got locked up with another man named Silas. This is where I want to take a turn over the story. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 22. You don't have to, uh, we don't have a screen, so I'll just read it to you. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake. And I don't know why I started moving my head when I talk like that, but when I, when I start talking about chains breaking, it's just something the Pentecost person comes out of the side of me. Chains breaking in the... At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Amen. What starts off as a story of, of pain and bitterness actually turns into a testament of the strength of connections. I remember when I first saw Beauty and the Beast. I know. Where am I going with this? And I came home after watching Beauty and the Beast, and, and, uh, and, and you know, because I don't know if you've ever been beaten in life, beaten by abuse, beaten by, by doubts. I don't know if you've ever been stripped, stripped of your pride, stripped of your, of, your, of your reputation, stripped of your good name. And I don't know if you've ever been locked up, kind of just feeling like you ain't got nowhere to go. But, but I remember uh, watching Beauty and the Beast and then coming home. My mom had this big old china, uh, like, I don't even know what you call that, like a home for the fine china cabinet. Yeah. That's what you call it. She had a tiny cabinet. No, I couldn't think of that. And, and, and I remember looking at the tiny cabinet, and I, had just, and I had just left Beauty and the Beast. And so all I, I was young, and, I, and all I could remember were these singing dishes. Be all. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. Right? So I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm looking at them, and I'm thinking, 
She never took these things out. Already lived behind that glass. And I thought, poor dishes. You're a child, you know, you're thinking, poor dishes. Locked up. Nobody to play with. Oh, well, I want to free the dishes. This is the beginning of my ministry call. Deliver the dishes. Um, and, uh, and, and you know what my problem was? Listen to me. My problem was is that I was watching it or I was seeing it from the perspective of the dishes. But there was a reason why my mom had them locked up. And that's because they were the most valuable pieces of silverware that she had in the house. If I had looked at it from the dishes position or my position, I thought, man, I'm a prisoner. But if I had looked at it from the owner's perspective or the owner's position, I would have thought, man, the fact that I'm locked up is actually evidence of my value. And so I'm guarded, but I'm not guarded because I'm weak. I'm guarded because I'm strong. I'm guarded because I've got value. I'm guarded because I've got purpose. I'm, I'm guarded because I'm special. I'm guarded because I'm unique. And I've come to tell you the reason why we come to church is because the first connection we got to get right is the connection with God so that we can see life the way he sees it. Because when we see life from outside of the cabinet, we, all get, we get this big old picture. The fuzz is gone. The static is gone. And we say, whoa, there was a whole lot more to this than I saw at first. We come to church to establish this connection so we can see things the right way, get our reception right, our perception right, but we also come to church to get this connection right, my connection with me and my connection with you. And that's where Paul and Silas come in. See, see, the guard was trying to lock them up because he knew their potential. He knew their power. And you might be going through a situation today where you feel locked up, where you feel like there's no way out, where you feel like no direction. I mean, the first thing that I want to tell you is you are not weak. It is a sign of your strength. That is why the enemy has got guards posted there. That's why you haven't been able to break free, because he knows that if you do, it's not going to be the same. Your family's not going to be the same. Your kids aren't going to be the same. Your friends aren't going to be the same. But you got Paul and Silas, and the, and the guard locks them up. And, and you might have missed it, because in Acts chapter 16, verse 24, there's actually a really powerful line right here. And I want, to, I want you to catch it. He said, he said, when he received these orders, this is the jailer, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, there is one thing that the jailer did that guaranteed they wouldn't leave. But there was another thing that the jailer did that guaranteed they wouldn't stay. The first thing that he did was he fastened their feet. Now, I had a picture, and so I, don't, I can't show you the picture. I was going to show you old school stocks. But now that I don't have the picture, I got to improvise. And so, yeah, I have no idea I'm going to do this. But uh, Jared, uh, Brianna, Rad, quickly. I know, you're, I know you're running Mevo. Just put it down. I need you to quit. Quick, 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 quick. Come, 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 come. Actually, you're not going to work. I need a guy. I need a guy. Austin, come on up. Come on up, Brianna. Yeah, you're safe. You're safe. All right. Quick, 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 quick. Jared, I want you to sit down with your legs out. Okay? Legs out. Legs out. Yeah, perfect, perfect, perfect. And, uh, and, uh, and Rad, uh, you'll stay here. Austin, I need you to stick out with your, your yeah, legs out just like Jared. Okay? Now, here's what you need to know about stocks. Stocks was a long piece of wood with, two, with four holes in it to keep prisoners stuck together. And so, Rad, you're going to be the stocks. So I need you to lay down here, and I need you with your feet to pinch Austin's feet, and I need you with your hands to pinch Jared's hands. Okay? You are the stocks, and and uh, you probably can, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, lay down. You're on the ground. Yes. I got you, bro. I got you. You're good. You're good. Okay. Pinch him. Pinch him. You're good. You're good. Now you got that. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Woo! See? Devil tried to steal my illustration by breaking the projector, but we got this. All right. Now, here's what I need you to understand. This is exactly what it looked like minus the people in the middle. 
Here's what I need you to understand. The jailer did what, this is how it looked. This is the stocks right here, okay? It, it, was, it was four holes and they were actually a lot closer. Here was the thing that the jailer did that guaranteed they would stay. He locked their feet up. Can't go nowhere if you're locked up. Here's the thing the jailer did that guaranteed they wouldn't stay. He built a connection. <laughs> he shouldn't have done that. If he wanted to keep them there, he should have put them in separate cells. Because something happens when believers get connected. Something happens when they stand next to each other. Listen, if you were to think of the darkest times in your life, I guarantee you those are the times when you were by yourself. You know why? Because the devil can't fight you one-on-one. Devil can't fight you one-on-one. So he tries to separate you. Listen, I once, I once, I once heard of a study of a, of a, of a, of a monkey. They, they, they put him in a, in a, in a, in a cell by himself, and they, and they released lights and sounds, and the monkey freaked out. I know that's mean. I didn't do it to the monkey, okay? Somebody else did it. And they, they checked his cortisol levels. If you don't know, cortisol is a hormone in your body that measures stress. They checked the monkey's cortisol level. It was off the charts. They did the same experiment, same monkey. They put him in a, in a jail cell with, a, with another monkey. Now you got two monkeys, same lights. Same sound, same duration of time. They checked the cortisol levels of the monkeys. It was half the stress level of the monkey that went in by himself. Come on, you need to tell your neighbor, will you be my monkey? Will you be my monkey? You need to understand the devil should not have let you get to church today if he wanted to destroy you. Because the moment you stepped into that building, you built a connection. And he can't get past the connection because it's the connection that eventually leads the prisoners free. Come on, give it up for our volunteers. Come on, you guys did a great job. He shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have done it. If the guard wanted to destroy him, he should have separated him. Now, are you ready for Silas's name? Powerful. Maybe not at first, but it's powerful. You see, you see, Silas is over here, and, and Paul is over here, and here's something you got to know about Paul. They started singing. We know that. The Bible says they started singing hymns and praising God. But here's what I know. I believe Silas started singing first. You say, well, how do you know that? You just put, well, I, think, I believe Silas started singing first. Why? Something we don't know about, a lot about Paul because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, we give him a lot of credit, is that Paul had issues. If he had one weakness, listen, is that he was overly negative and he was too hard on himself. Don't believe me? Listen to these Bible verses. You're not even going to think they're Bible verses. Matter of fact, I'm not even going to tell you where you find them because if I did, because if I, if, I, if I did it, they'd be like, oh, it's a Bible verse. But listen to this. This is what he says. This is what Paul says. I am the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I used to kill Christians. 1 Corinthians 15.9. I am the least of all God's people. I don't even deserve to be called a Christian. Ephesians 3.8. 1 Timothy 1.15. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Say amen. Of which I am the worst. Romans 7. The trouble is with me. I'm the problem. I'm all too human. I'm a slave to sin. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I do what I don't want to do, which is wrong. And even though I don't want to do it, I do it anyway. And so here's what I know. 
Paul is over here locked up thinking, this is all my fault. The reason why we're locked up is because I used to kill Christians, and here I am locked up now. God hates me. He loves me. There's nothing in the world, nothing in the world that can save me now. This is what I deserve. Just take me now, Jesus. This is what you wanted. You're punishing me for killing all those Christians. Just take me now. Nothing in the world can save me. But then you got Silas. Are you ready for Silas's name? Wood. Oh, that wasn't deep. That wasn't revelation. Let me expound. You see, when a fire starts to die, you know what you need? Some wood. And so you got one guy on the other side whose passion for the Lord is beginning to wane whose fire is beginning to dwindle. But you got somebody on the other side who knows how to get a fire started again. And so, and so, and so, and so, and so he starts saying, there's nothing in the world that can save me now. I've done too many bad things. You don't know where I am. You don't know what I've been. You don't know what I've done. Nobody. Church ain't good for me. Christianity's not good for me. I don't deserve this. Just take my life. And I can hear, I can hear Silas. Start. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Come on, Paul. You know this song. Paul's over here talking about. Shut up, Silas. I'm tired, I'm hurting, and, 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 I'm, and I'm sinning. I'll tell you, I'm a sinner. Nothing can save me. Nothing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Yeah, and then they start getting stuck. And then Paul's getting emotional now because, you know, he don't want Silas to know that it's getting to him. He, and so he's like, Silas, shut up, man. You don't like that song, man. You know? And my back hurts. You know, they beat me. They hit me. I got these wounds on me. You know, I got, I got, these, I got these holes in my body. And then he said, he said, yeah, yeah, but what can make me whole again? Come on, Paul. You know the song. Come on. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And now Paul's getting emotional. He's starting to cry because he's starting to realize, you know what? He's right, nothing but the blood. I might not be free, but I'm free. I might have a past, but I might have shackles, but my shackles don't mean I have to have shame. You know what I'm saying? Like I've been through some stuff and I got some issues and I got some trouble and I got some addictions and I got some weaknesses and I might not feel free, but I am free. Nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me why that's no, no other fountain, no, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And he starts to get emotional, and he, and he starts to realize, okay, okay, God is big enough for my insides, but what about my outsides? And so he looks at, he looks at Paul, and he goes, and, and he goes, and he goes Silas, and he goes, yes, yeah, Silas, I know, but, but what hope do we have, man? I'm, I'm grateful that God is fixing me on the inside, but what about my family, and what about my circumstances, and what about my situation? I have no hope. And then, and then Silas, because he's a fire, he's, he, looked, he, said, he said, my hope is built 
Oh, nothing less. Try to follow me. Try to follow me. Because Paul, Paul was like, What's good is, what good is the blood? What good is the blood? He was like, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Ooh. I did not trust the sweetest frame. Come on, sing it, Paul. I know you know it. But holy trust in Jesus' name. Now you got to run. You got to pause. Now you got to pause. Pause. Hold on. Hold on. You guys are doing good. We're going. And then, and, and, but then they start to look around. And they go, man, but it's, it's midnight. Right? That's what they said. We're locked up. It was midnight. And so now they go, man, this is great, man. But really, what's going to happen? I mean, it's midnight. And I don't know what I'm doing. And out of cell B, way in the back, somebody shouts. It's dark. It's midnight. Somebody comes out of cell B. But when darkness is. To hide his face. Because it was midnight. I'll rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy veil. My anchor holds within the veil. And then Paul and Silas are like, yo, they said the believers in here. They said the believers are here. And then the guy shouts from the back, now nah, I'm not a believer, but I grew up in church. I made some bad decisions, but I heard, I heard y'all worshiping. And as I heard you worship, something started to rise up inside of me. This is when I thought I was alone, and I thought nobody knew I was here, and I thought nobody cared. I started to hear about the grace and the glory of God. And so I'm singing with you. I'm singing with you. Come on, let's sing. And then every prisoner jumped in. Christ alone. I believe it all broke free. He said, he said, uh, how's it go? How's it go? Uh, uh, sinking sand. How's that line go? Christ, Christ the rock. Christ the solid rock I stand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground sinking sand. All other ground. And here's what I believe. And all the prisoners jumped on that line. And all the ground, the Bible says, from the foundations, the prisons, and all the ground turned into sand. And there was freedom. Here's what I want you to know. For the freedom, in the connection. Not only that, because you could be around good people saying bad things. It's not just the connection, it's also the conversations that you have in the connections. And here's what I love about Paul and Silas. They didn't let their condition affect their conversation. You know, we do that. Some of us are going through such a hard time right now that it's affecting our, con our conversation. I don't know if you know that, but there is a chain that can break your praise. There is a chain that can break your praise. Some of y'all during worship, maybe it's because of the screen, maybe because it's not. Hands to the side, not because you didn't know the words. You know why? Because of your weak. You got chains, and you allow the condition of your soul to affect the conversation happening in your soul. 
Here's what I love. It's not, it's not just a, a, a condition that, that, can, that can affect your conversation. I believe that the right conversation can affect your condition. Let me say it another way. I don't just believe that there are chains that exist that can break praise. I believe there's praise that exists that can break chains. That can break chains. There's a praise that exists. You get around the right people. You hold enough hands and you start to praise the right person. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. In other words, it's not enough to get Christians around. You got to get Christians around with Jesus' name on their lips and the right connections with the right conversations. The Bible says the gates opened. All the prisoners were free and the main jailer came over about to kill himself. And Paul said, wait, 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 wait. Take me to your family. I want to tell them all about Jesus. The entire family of the jailer gets converted. Here's what I want you to know. You have to have a connection. You got to have a right conversation. And the right connection with the right conversation will lead to your conversion. Now, conversion is an ugly word because we have the history of the crusades in our mind. Where people put swords to people's necks and said, be saved. But let me tell you, conversion is not something you do to someone. In fact, the prefix of conversion, con, connection, conversion, con, uh, conversation. You know what con means in the Latin? Same thing it means in Spanish. What does C-O-N mean in Spanish? Con, and it means this, it means with. You can only speak with someone. That's a conversation. A connection requires two people. Did you know that conversion is not something I can do to you? It's something I do with you. When we were first deciding the mission statement of Journey Church, we said, we, we started off, we say, to rescue people far from God. That was the mission. And then, and then that was, it was me, Aaron, Gabby, uh, a couple of other leaders, my dad, my mom, Eddie and Alyssa, I think we were all in a room in North Carolina thinking to rescue people far from God. Woo! Oh, to walk with people who are far from God back home. That was it. Yeah, woo, yeah. And then, and then, we, then I said this. I said, guys, I said, who here is close to God? Because you might need to be the pastor of this church. Because I don't know about you, but I feel pretty far. No matter how close I get. I said, maybe we need to change it from, from walking with people who, home who are far from God from walking with people back home to God. Let's walk with people back home to God. Here's the thing. Conversion is not something I do to you. It's something I do with you. I'm in the process too. Let's walk through this together. I'm not perfect. I got issues. You got issues. Me too. Me too. Let's walk through them together. Let's hold hands. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all broken. We're all far. You might be a mile away. I, I might be 10 miles away. It's still miles. Matter of fact, the distance cannot be covered. That's why Jesus stepped out of heaven and came to earth to cover the distance we couldn't cover ourselves. So I want to invite you today, not to what else to do to you, but I want to do something with you. I want to come back home to God. And I hope you come with me. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.